0: Okay, quick question about... you still muted. No, I should be able to hear you. about now? now? You can hear me now?
1: Hello, welcome to Hat Trick. I'm Jordan Dollar-Coltman. This week, I am joined by Elliot Tanti. Braden is in transit. Prison. Retu- yeah, he's in Prison, in transit. prison. He is returning from a trip uh, south of the border. So we'll see how... Uh, we'll have him tell all of the wild tales of uh, Louisville, Kentucky in the time of COVID. When he's back with us next week. Um, But until then, safe travels to Braden. And we will have a slightly more uh, subdued episode this week compared to the absolute uh, barn burner of a detailed fantasy preview we did last week. Elliot, have you been running mock drafts all week after our great chat with Devin Davidson?
0: No, but I did definitely read the rules of our league. And I have some follow up questions for you after recording tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> good. That's good. So we, uh, yeah, our draft
1: for our league is on Friday. I have another draft on Thursday. Uh, all of those people, I'm sure everybody out there who's, who's playing fantasy. If you haven't already checked it out, uh, we did have a great episode last week. that's still up. Obviously you can go back and listen to it. It's still relevant. Uh, if you haven't already had your draft. Uh, David Davidson from Fantasy Hockey Hacks podcast uh, did a great job just laying out, you know, the fundamentals of fantasy. And then he gave us a lot of really good uh, insight into the top players and some, some sleepers and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, that's last week. Let's move forward, Elliot, to this week. This is topic one. Okay. The dream is over, Elliot. Uh, we have spoken a few times in the last month or so, uh, mostly at the behest of Braden. Uh, and I think you got pretty involved too, uh, watching the Blue Jays there as they pushed for a wildcard spot. It looked like um, they had done everything they possibly could coming uh, into September, but then the, the wheels kind of came off for a couple weeks and they struggled a little bit and they just, the consistency that was necessary wasn't there. And unfortunately, even though they absolutely pummeled the Orioles tonight, I think it was like 12 to four or something. Uh, it just wasn't enough. They did their part. They won the games they needed to here at the very end, but uh, Boston and New York both won tonight. So the blue Jays season officially, uh, will end with the regular season. And, uh, Another missed opportunity for a young team that I think is only going to grow from this, but um, you watched some baseball here. Uh, how do you feel now that um, their chances at the playoffs have been, have been uh, squandered?
0: Well, let's just say, I think the uh, Blue Jays have a lot to hang their hats on uh, and, and should be really proud of the way that they finished out the season this year. Uh, you know, we talked about them twice in the lead up to over the summer in the lead up to this space. And both times we're sort of like, Oh, this, there's a chance here. Oh, uh, you know, Uh, but, but it would be a long shot. Like they're going to have to really do something special to get there. And they did, they got down to the last game of the season. They were in a must win. They had to win it and they needed one of two other teams to lose. And that didn't happen. Um, I agree with you. I, I don't know that I agree with you. It's a lost opportunity. Is it a lost opportunity for them to play an MLB playoff game? Yes, obviously like that's, but I think, you know, the pressure, of the last week and a half or so of games, uh, was about as close to it as you could probably get in a regular season. These were must-win games; they had to be. Uh, um, they had to be at their best. Um, you know, the, the, the managers were ma- making in-game decisions that were really critical to the outcome of their season. Uh, so there's lots of high pressure in that, bringing people out of the bullpen to try and win games, or save games, or salvage games, whatever you need to do. Um, you know, they got a lot of really good experience. And for a really young, really exciting team, I think this is outstanding for the Blue Jays. Would I like them to see to see them play in the play-in game? Absolutely. Uh, of course, that would have been better for the, for the Blue Jays. That would have been a much happier outcome. It's a better outcome, of course. Um, but it's hard to say that this isn't really valuable experience for a team playing in a bunch of must-win games right into the final game of the year. Uh, that's outstanding. And you can't ask for more uh, than that. Uh, as a as a Blue Jays fan I, I guess I, my question for you is you've been really critical about MLB <laughs> throughout the year uh, and and throughout the time we've been doing this show um, does this revive has this helped to revive the game for you in any way or, or where are you at after having you know this Blue Jays run I mean look I think
1: I still stand by my belief that the NBA has edged ahead of major league baseball in terms of uh, attention um, in North America, sports media, and just fan engagement in general. I think the, uh, the last five to 10 years, especially with like sort of LeBron era of the NBA, we've just seen their stars get a lot more attention and, and become much bigger celebrities, which draws more people to the sport. And also You know, it's just it's a different cultural experience, I think, than baseball, which is a bit more of um, a traditional sort of American sport that hasn't necessarily evolved as fast as some of the the other sports have in terms of staying relevant culturally. However, I do think that like the Blue Jays have always had a special place in Canada, especially at this time of year before hockey gets started um, when, you know fans of other sports are still hungry for something to watch and and something to sort of care about. And the blue Jays have often, you know, made it exciting, but I don't know. I mean, I, does it make it any less or more? I don't know. This feels very on brand for the blue Jays to give you a little tease and then sort of not be able to fulfill that. I mean, they've been a franchise for 43 years and they've made eight playoffs. They've won two championships. Don't get me wrong, but they've only made the playoffs eight times. And in the last 10 It's been three times. So we have had a little bit of success in the last, you know, since 2011 um, through to this year, but you know, it's, it's, it's what it is. I don't, I'm certainly not going to say that I'm more a baseball fan today than I was yesterday. And I wouldn't have been, I think even had they made the playoffs, I would have watched maybe a little bit of the playoffs because it's fun, but you know, no, I don't think it grabs me, and it probably doesn't grab a lot of people the same way um, maybe a Raptors run would right now, or even just, you know, a big storyline in the NBA or the NFL. I don't know. That's just me, maybe. And maybe I'm out of touch. But, you know, everything I listen to and everything I'm engaged with around the sports world, it always feels like
0: baseball sort of the extra, the extra guy at the party right now. I guess my thing is, like, I was in, just did a bunch of social things in the last two weeks, just kind of out and about, you know, some external outside activities. And, you know, more on more than one occasion, people were like, Hey, did you, hey, do you know what the scores in the Blue Jays game or Or do you have it with the Blue Jays tonight? You know, that for me is sort of it's anecdotal, right? Like, it's not, I'm not going to hang my hat on it as there's some sort of indication that there's something more there. But I did certainly notice that more people were paying attention. And even up until tonight, like, um, having a little visit with my grandfather and, and we had a little chat about how, you know, that was the end and what a great run and we've been following it for two weeks. You know, yeah. that that's the stuff that catches fire for people, right? They're going to need sure. to come out out of the gates, with, uh, you know, a strong start next year. I think they've, they're going to have to take a step as a team to, to be, uh, and be in the race from the start, uh, to be, you know, to, to, to build that attention even further. Uh, there's still work to be done here, but hey, it's a start of maybe, you know, reliving some of the excitement of the Jays from Allah, uh, what, five years ago, six years ago when they went on that run. Yeah, and I will
1: give you that I do think that there's something to be said for the excitement of any team that has a chance of doing something special like that making a playoffs and when it gets dramatic like it has here for them, you know, you are counting games and you're watching the other teams and you start to pay a little bit more attention. That's fair. That would be, I think the same anywhere. And maybe we don't see it quite the same way in other sports because I mean, what is it like they play about four or 500 games? No, they play a lot of, (laughs) a lot of baseball. It's like every day of the summer, there's a baseball game all the time. And yet somehow it still comes down to like two or three games. And, And that does say something about how exciting, clearly how competitive, uh, at least the you know the al east is but the 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 major league baseball in general has certainly done a good job i guess capitalizing on the late season drama they've added the way the wild card structure for the last decade or so the one game plan that's exciting yeah um you know that is a so that part i will give them credit for definitely it's a a great way to grab attention late but was like I don't know. Does it is that enough? Is that enough for baseball to continue to be like? Is anyone going to be talking about the Blue Jays next week? Probably not. We're not going to care again until spring training. It. I don't know. It's it's one of those things. Like we talk when the NBA season ends, there's NBA talk all summer long. Who's going where, off All these kind of things, and that's part of what I think has built that brand up. The NHL is the same way in Canada. Obviously, it's never going to be that way in the United States because it's competing against much more. You know, industrialized leagues, but in Canada, we talk about the NHL every single day of the off season. Uh, and obviously, you know, the NFL doesn't have an off season. They literally just finish the Super Bowl, and everybody's coverage shifts to the next storyline. Major League Baseball probably has that in parts of the country, but I, I don't know. D- d- does it have that relevance in in this country? It's a good, good question, I guess. But either way, I, I mean, they should be very proud of themselves, as you said, a great, great season for them, and. You know, as a casual fan, yeah, it's exciting. I I, I I it caught my attention, um, albeit for only a very short period of time. And and who knows, if they had made the playoffs, maybe they would have had me for a run. All right, that's topic one. Hey, guess what? The Ordinary Podcasting Network has a brand new show. If you're a fan of Hattrick Sports, then I promise you, you are going to enjoy the Backyard Basketball Podcast. Braden Della-Coltman, is one of the hosts of this show here, Hattrick, hosts an amazing basketball show with one of his best friends, Christian Steck. Together, the two of them will break down the NBA news from around the basketball world and get you caught up on everything you need to know. It's fun. It's fast. They have great conversation and banter. They love basketball, and you will love the Backyard Basketball Podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, and you can also follow them on Instagram at backyard basketball underscore podcast.
0: All
1: right, on to topic two. A little shifting gears here. uh We're dealing with a new storyline revolving around COVID. We talked probably two, three weeks ago about uh, whether or not we felt that the leagues, specifically the NHL, uh and uh, then in the NBA for that matter, the two leagues that are just about to get going. If they're if the, if we're at the point now where we really should just be mandating vaccinations um, because you have. You know, every Canadian city that has an NHL team has got a vaccination um, passport plan in place for their arena Um, should the players not be held to the same standards as the spectators, all that. The latest uh, sort of chapter began to unfold at the beginning of training camp. We learned that one of the Oilers, at the time it was unspecified, whom uh, had refused to get a vaccination. He was the only uh, holdout at that time, although Duncan Keith had waited an incredibly long period of time after first, I think, being reluctant. And so he missed... Uh, The first two weeks of training camp because he had to quarantine um, because he had, you know, his vaccination had been so recent that it hadn't yet sort of been considered um, effective. Um, And then, of course, some good reporting by many people was able to sort of uncover that the anonymous uh, Edmonton Euler player was Josh Archibald. Josh Archibald is the same player who during the summer was uh, on social media pushing some, let's say, uh, uh, misinformation. Um, out there. That's the kind way of putting it, you know, questions about whether or not COVID was a hoax and whatnot. Uh, We also now have the next chapter of the Josh Archibald and COVID saga. Josh Archibald, who was at the time told he wouldn't be able to play any games uh, in Canada because they were basically just going to have to put him in the United States and use him when they were there so that he wouldn't have to cross the border and be quarantined. Yada, yada. Now he's not going to play indefinitely because it turns out he's actually had COVID in the summer and is having lasting effects of it. Um, it was announced today from the team that, uh, for the last week or so, he's been going through different tests, struggling with a viral infection. They couldn't figure out exactly what was going on. They identified antibodies. That's how they knew he had COVID. Uh, apparently, he was asymptomatic at the time. And he's developed a heart condition of myocarditis, um, which is from all indications is the same condition that is affecting goaltender Staloc, who is also currently not in the roster. Long-winded um, introduction here. But, Elliot, we've now learned the status of the last non-vaccinated Edmonton Oiler. We're hearing lots of stories out of the NBA about players continuing to refuse to get the vaccination. Um, is this not exactly what we kind of predicted would happen? Um, and if it isn't, I mean, where do we go from here? What are your thoughts on this whole situation?
0: Yeah, well, there's sort of, there's a couple of things here that I think were predictable, which is happening. One, and you know, we talked about this two weeks ago, so let's circle back to it. You know, there was lots of talk around health privacy information. What what is the public entitled to know about any one individual or not? And does that change if you're a sport? You, you're uh, you're a member of a sports team. What's emerged is that it's just basically impossible to hide that information unless there was a large number of athletes that had decided not to take the vaccine information. Eventually, you're just going to be able to whittle it down and figure it out. They're not on the same ice surface as the rest of the team during training camp. Might be some indication that there's some issues there too. Um, and I think largely as a society, we've accepted that, well, you know, these are professionals, sports professionals, and they're entitled to less privacy than others. And uh, whether you agree with that or not, you know, we, we've come to be able to learn uh, across a number of different sports uh, who is in fact vaccinated and who is not on teams in both the NBA and NHL specifically. Uh, So one predictable thing comes true there. Number two, there are long-term impacts of having COVID-19 and not taking it seriously. I mean, I think we've all talked about and heard about long COVID. Um, You know, this is myocarditis is, is something that it was impacted other teams and other players last year. Uh, Now we've got two cases in Edmonton uh, related to people getting COVID Um, and it's why this stuff is serious and why people need to get vaccinated and take the care of themselves and the people around them really seriously, because there are long-term facts. And frankly, at this point, like we don't know for sure, uh, but uh, you know, it, I think it's safe to assume both these players are not done for the year. Uh, that's an impact on their careers. That's an impact on, on their livelihoods. Um, these are things that we need to be thinking about as well, too. You know, yeah, and,
1: I, and their overall well being, and their overall well being. Yes. You know, we can we can be as critical as we want about the choices Josh Archibald made, but he he is still a victim of uh, an illness that whether or not he believed was real or not, and whether or not he had misinformation, and he was perpetrating the spreading of that. That is a side story to the fact that he still suffered from an illness, like many many millions of people around the globe have so it's a very serious thing um uh, from that side of it so we definitely want to wish both of them well getting better but you know it, it does add to this bigger story about
0: choices interesting you know where i wanted to go next to sort of talk a little bit about how teams are approaching this it's very clear that teams gms in both the nba and nhl were clear that they were not going to be able to avoid giving out information as to who was vaccinated and who wasn't Um, It seems as though teams have leaned into the science around convincing people, uh, (laughs) which is instead of telling people that they need to do it, uh, or trying to shame them into getting a vaccine, uh, it's working alongside people and trying to get um, your staff or in this situation, these athletes, to a place where they feel comfortable taking uh, the vaccine. And I actually think here in Edmonton, uh, while Josh Archibald has remained an uh, outlier, Uh, He was one of three people who were actually intending to come to camp uh, unvaccinated. And the team, uh, largely headed by uh, Holland, uh, went to great lengths to not force anyone into doing this, but working alongside those players to get it done. So Duncan Keith was another example of that. I don't know that it's been fully reported who the other third person was, and I wouldn't want to speculate anyway. But that third, that other person did ultimately make the decision uh, to get vaccinated. And, and I think that that's an excellent approach to this I, you know I, I personally don't understand vaccine hesitancy but i I appreciate that you know I currently live in a province where there's 19 percent of the people that i i, I, I share this province with uh, are not vaccinated for a number of different reasons um, and I think leaning into trying to bring people along is a really healthy and a good way to go um, and we've gotten to the point now where this issue has largely resolved itself. I mean, if Josh Archibald doesn't come up with this health condition, that's obviously very severe. Uh, who knows where we're at in terms of that convincing stage with him. Uh, but regardless, it doesn't matter. He's not going to play this year. Uh, it seems as though, you know, the Oilers reportedly were one of the worst situations for the NHL team uh, coming into this year and have managed a way to address it and get through it. Uh, it's a lesson for our society, but it's also uh I, I think an approach that you're seeing in other leagues as well, too, namely the NBA. I know Andrew Wiggins is a big name, but, but maybe you can fill us in a little bit more on what's going on in the NBA. And-
1: well, there's reporting today that he has a, that, like you just said, perhaps the the working through with the team kind of situation has paid off because apparently he it has now been reported he has been vaccinated. Uh, after initially refusing and yeah he was a a pretty prominent outlier there but you know the the second piece of it I, i listened to two different press conferences or clips from today one was the duncan keith one where he still felt it seemed still quite defiant and frustrated by the whole situation i don't think that this was something that he did willingly uh he seemed like it was an inconvenience um to have to deal with and i don't think given his choice had it been Uh, You know, just up to him. Um, I don't believe that we would have heard Duncan Keith being vaccinated vaccinated. But that again, you know, we can litigate that ourselves. But during that press conference, there was definitely no remorse for the fact that he waited so long that he couldn't be at training camp. It sounded like he was sort of taken kicking and screaming. Um, the the other one interestingly was Draymond Green, who is a who plays and is a teammate of Wiggins for the Golden State Warriors, who by all indications has been vaccinated, but was very um, defensive of Wiggins' position, suggesting that again he didn't feel like um, that the league was in any position to be forcing any player to do anything that they didn't believe in doing. Um, And he felt like a team shouldn't, you know, be ostracizing any player. And so it's, it's kind of becoming this tricky thing, I think, where, you know, the, the team first mentality that we're so used to uh, has a dark side too, right. It becomes a challenging place where a player can both feel like the team is supportive of them as an individual, but equally perhaps, you know, we get very quickly into a dangerous place where we find ourselves like Jack Eichel in a situation where the team and a player uh, disagree on a medical situation. And if the player only looks at this as a, as a, as a choice for himself, as opposed to the recognition that I think is important to articulate that the vaccination is not just for you. It is for those around you. Uh, and then, you know, in this case, as we've seen, you know, COVID affects athletes perhaps in a different way than it's affecting other people. This myocardial, carditis, uh, from all indications is the, is the result of athletes with, um, lingering COVID effects, working too hard, too quickly after being sick and not realizing that they're endangering the muscles around their heart. And as you said, it has affected many athletes. Um, I don't know. It's a, we are, I think still in the very early stages of what this whole, um, what history will look at in terms of how this whole situation plays out. I find it ironic just sort of to to tie a bow on this i find it somewhat ironic that the moment that i think for most people in north america that covid was really a real thing was when the nba shut down and the nhl shut down and all of a sudden sports stopped and then the world stopped and for so many people up until that moment there was this self protective denialism because it was an un un sort of fathomable thing none of us could have ever anticipated or predicted how this was going to be but until that moment march 10th or march 11th whatever it was two years ago when the when the sports world really was the beginning of of the stop uh it's ironic that we're still here now as we get back to close to normal capacity and close to normal sports looking like sports again outside bubbles and back in arenas um that again it's at the spear tip of the whole covid uh conversation. All right, that's topic two.
0: The Ordinary Podcasting Network is excited to announce that we have launched a merch store on our website. The store is full of ordinary swag, including t-shirts, hoodies, and hats. You can pick out something awesome and support your favorite podcast today by heading over to ordinarypodcasts.com.
1: All right, topic three. Um, We just wanted to take a moment to pay tribute to two goats tonight who met in a field in new England um, <laughs> uh, it's a weird story. I mean, the return it was billed as the return. And in many ways it really was Tom Brady in his first game back at Gillette field against Belichick and the Patriots uh, homecoming of sorts. Um, obviously sort of the closing of a, of a chapter, although, you know, both, both sides are still moving forward and have probably a lot more football to be played for both of them. But you know the, the greatest coach of a generation if not all time and the greatest player of all time and you know the great narrative for over a decade and a half of are they only each as good because they have each other or whatnot and obviously I think Brady pretty much put the conversation about whether or not he was just propped up by Belichick to bed last year by going off and winning in his first year with the buccaneers but just a a, you know kind of a cool story and obviously a great kind of made for tv moment that the nfl schedulers designed and constructed knowing exactly what kind of ratings and television it was going to generate all the things you know that's that's the nfl for you but hey it worked it did exactly what they wanted um brady and his buccaneers came out on top i believe by two points um and uh a very defensive focused game Uh, should surprise no one that Belichick knew exactly how to shut Brady down. He's spent a long time studying him and, but just kind of, you know, like for me as someone who absolutely despised Brady and the Patriots for so long, because it was fun to hate the greatest of all time. Um, you know, like I, I, there's a little part of my heart that's warmed by the idea of a storyline like this, you know, it it was kind of cool. So we thought we'd take a moment both to just discuss this one and then it, each of us will uh, will dig in a little bit on if we have any thoughts on like, what, what are, is there anything that's ever happened kind of like this? Is there a coming back, a return of sorts um, of this scale? So first, Elliot, what were your thoughts tonight? Did you watch the game? Did you have any thoughts on the whole Brady's return?
0: Uh, no, I didn't watch the game, uh, but was certainly aware of everything going on. Uh, it'd be difficult not to. Uh, Interesting fact for you, over 500 press credentials were issued for this game today, Uh, (laughs) which is just astounding to me that you had that many to meet. That just speaks to uh, just what this means from like a, and I'm sure many of those are international, uh, like a a sporting sort of (laughs) event. Uh, And like you said, the NFL did a hell of a job. They put it in, you know, what's typically kind of a boring, you know, what are we, week four uh, teams are starting to send themselves out, but it's still early in the season. Uh, you know, sometimes that Sunday nighter may not get the same attention. So, hey, let's put this let's put this game on the Sunday night and uh, make it the national game and, and make a show of it. And, and they did. And and, and and I think rightfully so. I mean, this is um, this is obviously the greatest quarterback of all time. Um you know, being playing against his former coach, who is, you know, some would argue the greatest coach, NFL coach of all time, um, and who formerly made up the greatest QB coach duo of all time, like, and, and will be known as such for a very, very, very long time. Uh, very difficult to 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 imagine another relationship uh, emerging like this in the next. 20 yeah. years even um so you know i think in terms of uh was it worth the hoopla that was generated about it i mean it's kind of, it's always hard to say yes given just how much money and effort and time goes into these things uh but heck it was something that was worth viewing and the nfl made it worth viewing um and and good for them i think it's it's they know what's they know what sells in their league and and there's proof to that um and of course yeah Belichick held Brady to less he was like 51% in terms of completion rate like when's the last time you heard that I don't think he had a passing TD which again interesting still managed to win as the greatest of all time always seems to do Um, but you certainly got to see you know these are two guys that fighting against each other I mean they won somewhat
1: in spite of him though he didn't throw a touchdown they won one one rushing touchdown and a a whole bunch of kicks but you're right his team's seem to always find a way to pull it out in those big moments. That is true. Um, I'll say, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking, and we'll we'll get to this in a second, but it's interesting because oftentimes when you have the coming home game, the return game, it's sort of either like one of two narratives. It's the revenge game when a player has been traded and doesn't really want to have been gone, or there's been some tumultuous ending. I'm thinking Vince Carter, you know um, I'm thinking Brett Favre, when he went to play for the jets and there was this whole, you pushed me out storyline. And, uh, you know, uh, even LeBron and the heat when he came back to play for the first time in Cleveland, you know, um, there's definitely a tradition of these kind of games where you have, uh, an iconic player who leaves a team and then ends up playing back there and, you know, is often showered in booze every single time he touches the puck or every single time he touches the, the ball or whatever. Um, because usually, when a big player like this leaves, it isn't on great terms. But I think the difference in some ways with this storyline is that it's very hard. For Patriots fans to hold anything against Tom Brady he gave them everything they could have ever wanted and more the expectation was when he left that it was either he was retiring or he was leaving it wasn't I think everyone had accepted that it had run its course and there's five banners hanging in the rafters of the the Gillette stadium or field or whatever the hell it is because of Tom Brady right and because of his relationship With that organization. So there's nothing but I think love that's there for him. You know, I listen often to the Bill Simmons podcast. He's the biggest Boston homer you'll ever meet. And you know, the guy can't help but root for the Buccaneers now because he loves the guy. It's the same feeling I think Edmonton Oilers fans will always have had about Gretzky. It's like this guy was taken from us, but boy, oh boy, weren't we lucky to have him? Well, we did. You know what I mean? They were angry at Pocklington more than they were angry at so let's move on to what we were just going to do, which was our storylines. I'll go first because I just teed mine up the Gretzky homecoming I think is interesting because there's a couple parts to it obviously the first time he came home was special uh it was hard you know he was taken from this city the city felt robbed um felt like Pocklington had sold them out and, and you can argue he did um however I don't again think that there was very much ill feeling towards Gretzky at the time no one really blamed Gretzky um and whether or not he was comfortable leaving or not um, which another story we can litigate later uh, you know, the tears and all of the, the drama and storyline around it made him the sympathetic character, which was great. The part of the homecoming for me, that's always really fun is that uh, Gretzky scored the all time points breaking goal against the Edmonton Oilers to take the the, the lead from uh, Gordie Howe. And I think that's the real like coming home special story that he did it in Edmonton, the team that he should have been with the whole time. Um, he did it uh, through a defenseman who was one of his best friends in Kevin Lowe, who had been on him like, like shit on Velcro the whole night long. And somehow for one split second had given him just an inch of space and he scored a great goal. That's the story. That's sort of the coming home part, I think, of that that whole narrative. That's really special. Obviously this was a a regular season game that with very little stakes uh, for, for um, in terms of, you know, playoffs or whatever, we're still very early in the season, but um, but that's what it reminded me of today. Do you have any uh, coming home or return game or revenge game sort of things that this makes you think of?
0: Yeah, I have two small ones. Uh, One is I think the most notable one in NFL history up until tonight which has to be Peyton Manning's Peyton Manning's return to Indianapolis, right. uh, that once he found Denver and actually won a Super Bowl after leaving Indianapolis in a similar way too. You always feel like Peyton Manning, uh, just because of having to frankly play in the same generation as Tom Brady, is yeah. uh, is is always going to be uh, underrated um, because of that, uh, and, and and similar sort of thing. Uh, you know, the heartwarming reception from, from the crowd when he came back. This is a bit, my second one's a bit of a different situation, but it's also an Euler's Oilers story and does sort of have that sort of like homecoming comeback thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't after Ryan Smith left, it wasn't his first game back uh, in a different, if it, in a different um, jersey but it was his second stint back in Edmonton after he came back to finish his career in Edmonton in those last, uh, I think he played what, two years. Um, and you know, I, I'm very fortunate. I got to watch his last game in Edmonton too, when he was chasing the record for the most power play points as Edmonton Euler. And, uh, and I always felt, um, there was, I, th- I always felt it was sort of sad the way that Ryan Smith left. It had, you know, he wasn't the caliber of player that Wayne Gretzky was, but, um, it was one of those things where they always thought the deal was going to get done until the deal didn't get done and he was gone. Um, and it felt a little bit heartbroken as i So to him to come back and get to finish out his career in, in a meaningful way um, with Edmonton, I always thought was a really nice homecoming story. It wasn't an individual game. It was sort of like a homecoming to Edmonton to finish his career that I was, uh, had similar vibes, I think, but different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Yeah,
1: totally. And I think that that's a fun part of that, you know, that's similar to the LeBron writing the letter and coming home uh, to Cleveland sort of storyline. And that's, you know, that's definitely, definitely one of those um, yeah. One of those sort of full circle moments, but uh, yeah, I think that it's a special night for Tom Brady, uh, a closure of sorts um, for for the fans in in new England. And uh, we'll see, (laughs) we'll see if we get any more drama later on. Uh, if they ever meet in the playoffs or something, it would be a lot more, uh, dramatic. Um, but, uh, alas, uh, that's unlikely at this point, we shall leave it there. Elliot. Thank you. It was a fun one. Just the two of us.
0: Weekend, no. Okay. have a great rest of your weekend
1: of uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that by design very clever boy um have a great rest of your weekend thanks everybody for listening to us joining us as always you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook and if you haven't yet go ahead onto our website ordinarypodcast.com check out the merch store um we got lots of fun stuff up there we will be back next week hopefully brain makes it back across the border safely and if he does then we will be able to get his thoughts on everything uh, that comes up in the upcoming week. Have a great one. Next week is Thanksgiving. We will have a show, hopefully. If not, uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Diller-Coltman and Braden Diller-Coltman. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening.